Hi, I'm Pastor Rako Zek, and you're listening to the Jesus in the Center One Year Bible Podcast, where we will listen to God's voice and grow in faith. As it says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We're so glad you joined us because you want to grow in faith. The One Year Bible Podcast is brought to you by St. Paul Lutheran Church in Clarence Center, New York. The One Year Bible Reading Plan is found in many places, including OneYearBibleOnline.com and the YouVersion Bible app, as well as many versions of the Bible uh, printed uh, by Tyndale Press. The scriptures quoted today are from the Net Bible, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press. Each day we'll begin with a prayer from the Psalms, we'll read from the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we'll take a proverb with us as we go. This is a work in progress. We aren't too big for our britches. We're glad you've joined us and we look forward to the ride. Today we read from Psalm 1, Genesis 1 and 2, Matthew 1 and 2, and Proverbs 1 verses 1 to 6. So let's get going. Here is Psalm 1. We, we pray and think to ourselves, how blessed is the one who does not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the assembly of scoffers. Instead, he finds pleasure in obeying the Lord's commands, or Torah. He meditates on his commands day and night. He is like a tree planted by flowing streams. It yields its fruit at the proper time, and its leaves never fall off. He succeeds in everything he attempts. Not so with the wicked. Instead, they are like wind-driven chaff. For this reason, the wicked cannot withstand judgment, nor sinners join the assembly of the godly. Certainly, the Lord guards the way of the godly, but the way of the wicked ends in destruction. This is Psalm 1 for a reason. It starts the whole book of Psalms, and it, it reminds us that we are blessed, happy, full of life when we don't follow the advice of the wicked or stand, you know, we get more more ingrained or sit. We're, we're totally in line with scoffers. Instead, we meditate and find pleasure in obeying the Lord's Torah, which is his commands. It's also his instruction. It's all his work. That's Psalm 1. Next we read from Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was without shape and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the watery deep. But the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. God said, Let there be light. And there was light God saw that the light was good, so God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning, marking the first day, literally the one day. Verse 6 says, God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. It was so. God called the expanse sky. There was evening, and there was morning, a second day. God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. It was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. God saw that it was good. God said, Let the land produce vegetation, plants yielding seeds according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seeds in it according to their kinds. It was so. The land produced vegetation plants yielding seeds according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. God saw that it was good. 
there was evening and there was morning a third day. God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them be signs to indicate seasons and days and years, and let them serve as lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. It was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over the night. He made the stars also. God placed the lights in the expanse of the sky to shine on the earth, to preside over the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. God created the great sea creatures and every living thing, every living and moving thing with which the water swarmed according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the water and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. There was evening and there was morning, a fifth day. God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, cattle, creeping things, and wild animals, each according to its kind. It was so. God made the wild animals according to, to their kinds, the cattle according to their kinds, and all the creatures that creep along the ground according to their kinds. God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, after our likeness, so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth, and over the creatures that move on the earth. God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I now give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the entire earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the animals of the earth and to every bird of the air and to all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. It was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Wow, there's so much to say in this passage, and we won't dwell on all of it, but just to I just want to kind of point out that this is different than any other creation story that you'll read in the, the Greek myths or the uh, Native American tribes, uh, the Egyptians. Any other record of creation that we have is different. In all those creations, a couple of things. One is that the God or the gods shapes out of what is already existing. He takes he or she takes matter and puts it together. Well, in this story, we see that this God, the God of the Bible, Yahweh, he creates out of nothing. And the Latin for that is cool, ex nihilo. And this God speaks, and it is so. He says, "Let there be light," and there is light. He shapes a beautiful world. It is it is just uh, fabulous. It is uh, the place of paradise. And it's a beautiful thing that he's done. One other thing I want to point out, and this is so good, is that of all the creatures, he crowns one as the highest of all creatures. And he makes them in his very image. And how does he make them? He makes them male and female. And 
he will make them to bear his image in this kind of relationship as they are male and female toward one another. And uh, the other thing that's just great is uh, God blessed all the things that he made. That means he speaks good toward it. And then out of that, he says, be fruitful and multiply. He gives life. He is a God of life. And also interesting is that he's made man already and he's made them to serve the earth, to subdue and use the earth and have dominion. That is, uh, be a God in a sense. Uh, dominion is the word for God. And he says, in my image, serve this, this gift that I've given you, this beautiful earth. And so many of uh, my friends, they love the outdoors. They love to go hunting. They love to sit in the tree stand. They love to walk in the woods. And it's right because God has given us this earth to to care for, to serve, and to use. So, good stuff. So, there's so much to to read there and think about. We're going to keep reading, though. This is, uh, we're going to keep reading Genesis chapter 2. Before we get there, it almost sounds like this is another creation account. And in some ways, it's, uh, it's filling in more details about what God has already done as far as making male and female, <clears throat> bringing Eve out of the side of the rib of Adam, and it seems like male and female has already created them, but this slows down and backs up. And it's really a prologue to what we'll read in the, the next chapter, chapter 3. Uh, just as later in the book of Genesis, there's a prologue before, uh, before the flood. And so you can think of it this way. So Genesis chapter 2. The heavens and the earth were completed with everything that was in them. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing, and he ceased on the seventh day all the work that he had been doing. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he ceased all the work that he had been doing in creation. Now we might think, I don't want to pause here too long, but is God tired? No, this God is not tired, but he includes in the ordering of creation a day of rest, a day to be set aside for holiness. And this we'll, we'll learn later, especially from the, the letter to the Hebrews, that this was all a plan to show us that we need rest. We need not just a day off, but a day to focus, but also we need a whole existence where we rest and receive. And, and that comes out especially in Hebrews. Uh, check out uh, chapters two, the, 2, 3, and 4. It goes on. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and heavens. Now no shrub of the field had yet grown on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. Springs would well up from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the soil of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The Lord God planted an orchard in the east, in Eden, and there he placed the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow from the soil, every tree that was pleasing to look at and good for food. Now the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil were in the middle of the orchard. Now a river flows from Eden to water the orchard, and from there it divides into four head streams. The name of the first is Pishon. It runs through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is pure. Pearls and lapis lazuli are also there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It runs through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It runs along the east side of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. 
The Lord God took the man and placed him in the orchard in Eden to care for it and to maintain it. Then the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat fruit from every tree of the orchard, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a companion for him who corresponds to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground every living animal of the field and every bird of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man named all the animals, the birds of the air, and the living creatures of the field. But for Adam, no companion who corresponded to him was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was asleep, he took part of the man's side and closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the part he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Then the man said, This one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and unites with his wife, and they become a new family. Or we could say they become one. The man and his wife were both naked, but they were not ashamed. Wow, what a beautiful story of placing man and woman together. Man knowing that none of the other beasts of the field, none of the other animals that he named uh, would be a fitting companion, but rather uh, one that God would bring out of his side to be his companion, to ever be before him in his sight. Uh, that is a beautiful story. Well, that sets us up. Uh, if if only the the world remained in Genesis one and two with good and purposeful work, uh, nakedness but no shame, uh, a life of holiness, a life of eating from the tree of life and staying away from the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If only, if only we had stayed there. Alas, we don't. So, we'll read tomorrow about the fall. Also, uh, we we begin to read from the New Testament. This is God's work of undoing what will come to pass in the garden. This is Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 2. I will warn you, Matthew 1 has a long genealogy to set forward uh, that Jesus is in the line of the Messiah. Now to us in America, this doesn't make a lot of sense. We just think, hey, if a guy is a superpower, that will work. But uh, God had set it up that the superman, the redeemer, would come from a very specific tribe. Um, and so that's what we read today. And Matthew does not record all the genealogy. There's some that he leaves out. Uh, he sets it forward in three groups of 14. Yet there are some of this time period is longer than others. He selects from Jesus's full genealogy to show us that uh, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Also, he includes, which would sort of be shameful if it were not true, a group, a group of women, four different women who are from the ancestry of Jesus, who um, in, in different ways have a shady past, sometimes not their own doing, often not their own doing, but uh, they are included because Jesus has come from sinners and he's come to save sinners, which we'll read. Matthew 1. This is the record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, 
Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. That's one of the women. Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, Solomon the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asa, Asa the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, Joram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amon, Amon the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah became father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, Abiud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Akim, Akim the father of Eliud, Eliud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Methan, Methan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So, all the generations. <clears throat> so, all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. An interesting note about the Messiah is that he had to come from the tribe, not only of, not only the line of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but through Judah and again through David. And interesting, after 70 AD or so when um, Jerusalem was destroyed, the family records in many ways were also destroyed. So um, unless your last name is um, uh, Cohen, which is the name for a priest, oftentimes you do not know what tribe you're from. And so uh, the fact that Jesus, uh, we can verify his lineage is an important thing. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ happened this way. While his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband-to-be, was a righteous man, and because he did not want to disgrace her, he intended to divorce her privately. When he had contemplated this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This all happened so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord told him. He took his wife, but did not have marital relations with her until she gave birth to a son, whom he named Jesus. Oh, this is a great story, isn't it? This, um, this, this conflict with Joseph being a righteous man, a good man, and yet having a, uh, a betrothed, not, not yet wife, but a, uh, a fiancé, and in those days, you know, to be to have a fiance was a legal thing, and uh, in order, 
you know, if if your fiance died, you would be a widow or widower. It was it was took a divorce to um, to undo uh, an engagement. So, and she is pregnant, and then the the angel shows up and and says that this is um, this is from the Holy Spirit, and he cites. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7, look, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And this is originally written to uh, King Ahaz, uh, who was not a good king. And this is an amazing sign. Some say, well, the word virgin can also be made in true enough, but it would be no great sign, as I say at the Living Nativity. It would be no great sign if a maiden gave birth to a son, but for a virgin to give birth to a son, that would be amazing. And also, when this was translated... um, I think it's a couple hundred BC, 200 BC in Alexandria, what we call the Septuagint, when the Hebrew scriptures are translated into the Greek uh, scriptures, this word virgin uh, was, you know, they had a couple choices for the translation and they understood it to be uh, one who had not been with a man, not just a young woman. So that is uh, good news. This one to come would be God with us. So thanks be to God that he has come. Matthew chapter 2, a portion, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, in the time of King Herod, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is the one who is born King of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was alarmed, and all Jerusalem with him. After assembling all the chief priests and experts in the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they said, For it is written this way by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are in no way least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod privately summoned the wise men and determined from them when the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and look carefully for the child. When you find him, inform me so that I can go and worship him as well. After listening to the king, they left. And once again, the star they saw when it rose led them until it stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they shouted joyfully. As they came into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure boxes and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. After being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back by another route to their own country. Interesting, isn't it, that God chose what we would call, uh, well, we say wise men still follow Jesus, right? Which is true. But these wise men, these uh, magi, in, uh, in in terms of the faith of Israel, these are not wise men. They are, um, they, they are far, far from God. We could go into the the details there, but, um, God in, in some sense chose fools to be the first, um, to worship him. Uh, we know the story of the shepherds as well. And, and, uh, and others uh, in the temple who saw baby Jesus, Simeon and Anna and, and others. But yet these are these are those from afar that God has brought. Beautiful story. And we start and end today, actually, with a few verses from Proverbs chapter 1. And this is where we can find true wisdom, hearing uh, what God says and then putting it into practice. This is Proverbs 1, verses 1 to 6. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel to learn wisdom and moral instruction, and to discern wise counsel, to receive moral instruction in skillful living, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to impart shrewdness to the morally naive, and a discerning plan to the young person, 
Let the wise also hear and gain instruction, and let the discerning acquire guidance to discern the meaning of a proverb and a parable, the sayings of the wise and their riddles. This is the introduction to the book of Proverbs that were collected by Solomon. And they're written so that we might learn wisdom um, and so that we might uh, grow in applying uh, the truth of God uh, to our world. Well, we end uh, with a prayer. Gracious God, thank you for all these words that you've shown us. Thank you for the beautiful creation story where you speak and make it happen. Thank you uh, that uh, you've brought woman out of, of the side of man to be with us in, in, as a man to, uh, to be before me, my wife. Uh, we thank you for the roles you've, you've put us in. Uh, thank you for the tree of life that awaits us uh, that we can eat from. Thank you that we know in advance the story of the fall of Adam and Eve. Thank you that you are the Redeemer. Thank you for the story of sending, uh, not just the story, but the truth of sending Jesus as our Redeemer, the one who would be God with us, uh, the one who would um, be our Emmanuel, the one who would save us, your people, from our sins. So thank you. Uh, thank you for these words. Thank you for Psalm 1 where we can... Uh, Meditate on your word day and night. Lord, change us this year in 2024 that we might be open um, to hearing your words uh, and to receiving the wisdom to to walk rightly before you and, and others in this world. Wow. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, hey, I thank you for joining us on this inaugural version. It's uh, pretty low tech. I think uh, when I was a school teacher, uh, seventh, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade math teacher, I'd Depending on the year, I, I either went so as a joke, high-tech Zek, you know, if I'm inaugurating some really cool new thing like Google Classroom back in the day or, uh, you know, whiteboard stuff, whatever it was. Um, other years, uh, I call myself low-tech Zek because, well, we just use pencil and paper and, and, uh, and word problems, stuff like that. So this was definitely low-tech Zek. <laughs> we don't have any background music, we don't get any of that, but we do have God's Word, which is all we need. So thank you for, for joining us. May God bless you throughout this year. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.